believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And we are the 24 elders in Revelation chapter 5, singing, worthy is the Lamb who's redeemed us by his blood. That is the bigger panoramic over this story of a man and a woman about 1150 B.C. One, the man from Judah and the woman from Moab, a generation apart. Boaz's destiny is to be born a Jew, to be born of the tribe of Judah, to be the first one of Judah to establish something that's going to happen and change the history of Israel and bring the king of the Jews to the Jews. For, of course, Obed will be born, then Jesse, and then David. The great king David is his great-grandson from his marriage with Ruth. And from David will come all those kings that we'll read about when we get to 1 Kings and 2 Kings, probably later this year. And then eventually... It's all there for us in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3 to show us that Jesus is the fulfillment of all those promises. In, Luke's, in Matthew's gospel, he only takes it back to Abraham as the head of the Jews. And in that gospel, we, both, we get the mention of both Boaz and Ruth that Jesus came through them. Now, Luke's gospel takes us from Jesus all the way back to Adam, and we only get the mention of the men, and we get Boaz. Isn't that amazing? So Boaz steps in to restore what's lost here, but he's the one that ends up going on the record, not Elimelech or his son. It's a fascinating story. But Boaz was born for this purpose. And all that God worked in his life for character as a man, the kind of man he is, it shows up at work and he blesses people and they bless him back. The kind of man who stays through the famine and prospers and trusts in the Lord when other people are, are tempted to panic and flee to faraway lands. He's that man. He's better than Adam in many ways. Adam and Eve in the garden is beautiful, a husband and a wife and God presiding over their marriage, naked and unashamed. It's a beautiful story. But sin entered and all kinds of things went wrong. You just don't find men like Boaz in the Bible that often. Joseph's kind of like this. Daniel, it's hard to find good men. And Jesus is the perfect man. And Boaz was a good man. There's no flaw or blemish on this man's life. We just spent, we spent a couple weeks with Samson. Can we agree? There's plenty of flaws on Samson's life. Samson got the headlines. Boaz didn't even have Instagram. He's just doing what his father wanted him to do, his heavenly father. And he's a good man. And he's going to treat this woman with respect and dignity like a woman should be treated by a man of God. There's 
He's the kinsman redeemer. And that this isn't just a legal relationship. We must understand because God uses work supernaturally in, the, in a natural way. Pastor Chuck used to say it all the time. Men are designed to be attracted to women and vice versa. And who can explain the destiny of how two people come together in marriage? Like my wife and I met in a junior college class. She never took a junior college class in her life to that class. And we met in that class. It was a destiny and a divine purpose in that. I was thinking about my, my daughter Hannah and, and Nate Gallagher, how they met. And, you know, Joe Henschel's leading worship here tonight. And I have an interesting story. In 2001, we went back to Florida, to Brandon, Florida, when John Randall was pastoring in Florida. And I went with my daughter Hannah and my son Timmy. We stayed at the Randall's house. And Joe Henschel went back with his band. He was a teenager, farewell down. And we did a youth conference for three days at Brandon. You know, Nate Gallagher was a young kid and came to that conference with his dad. And they have a picture of me with him at this. He's a little kid. He's kind of chubby, too. Like, tall, handsome Nate Gallagher's like, kind of short and chubby. Um, but life works that way. And uh, so I have a picture with him. Jim wanted to get me to get a picture. You know, hey, Joy Brand, so I get a picture with Joy Brand, because Jim, of course, is a great surfer from Huntington Beach, and I get this picture. And I thought about this. For that weekend, and Hannah and Nate talked about this occasionally, Hannah and Nate, who would be married in a future time, just were crossing paths that whole weekend. And who would know that he'd be the, the pastor and she'd be the pastor's wife? And the destiny that he had purpose for their lives. And you would have never known all that. But then Jacob and Leah fall in love. And Nate's Jacob's best friend. And, and Hannah's Leah's sister. So lo and behold, I'm doing their wedding. That, that wedding so many years ago. And they come forward. I brought Leah forward. Hector welcomed everybody. Then I got up there. And I'm reading. I'm, like, I'm, in, you know, I'm in shock doing my daughter's wedding. And uh, I look over. And I see Nate. Because the guys are here. He looks at Hannah. And I'll never forget. You've, you've heard this story. But he's, he's like... So this is Nate, um, like, he's right here, and he's looking this way, and, you know, he's, he's the best man, and, and Hannah's the uh, bridesmaid, whatever, and I see him, and he's like this, he sees Hannah, and he goes, I was like, what? I'm doing this wedding for my other daughter, and this guy, like, and, and you know, I remember what Hannah did, she's, she's over, she's like, I was like, did I just see that? Like, I literally did a hiccup pause in the middle of this wedding ceremony for Jake and Lee going, like, did I, did I just, did I imagine that? Well, later on the dance floor, I knew I did not imagine it. Because Nate just came around like, he's got like this cool little groove shit he does. He's like, hey, what's up, Pops? I'm like, what's up, Pops? Like, divine destiny. How can you explain this stuff? How can you explain that? Nate Gallagher's dad used to share Jesus with me, and I resented it. He was the guy that bugged me that hung out with Mike Harris. Mike Harris was cool. I didn't like Jim Gallagher. I don't like him. I don't like him at all. I like green and ham. I just don't like him. I don't at all. Because you always say, what are you doing? You say, you walk with Jesus and you're doing living like that. I'm like, what's it to you, man? Mind your own business. I'm Joey Brand. Get lost, punk. <laughs> How could you even know these things? See, this study should remind everyone in this room, your life matters. Who you are. When you're born, your family, for good or bad or anything in between, your interests, your talents, your timeline, all of it, your education, your lack of education, it's like who you are is part of the whole mosaic of what God has for us. And Boaz is just such a testimony to this. Like everything in his life, how could he know when he's just being faithful and making the right decision when no one's watching because that's what integrity is? That they would make him the man he'd be, that God would bring this woman to him. And together, they'd have this child 
that would keep the messianic line going, establish Judah and the king, kingly line now through Judah, through him, and that the Messiah, God himself, would come through his son. How could you know such things? And it goes back to what we say with Ephesians 3. God is able to do above and beyond all that we could think or ask in his church for his glory. This story just has layers and layers and layers of glory and divine destiny over it. Also, what's interesting contextually, and it does represent Jesus in the church, and that's why I say, like, you know, you don't want to make too much romantically out of it, because really, he is a type of Jesus, and, and Ruth is a, a type of the church. He redeems us. We, we get that. Any commentary on this book will have that. But I was thinking about this because he says, I'll do my duty, I'll do my duty. He says it twice. But when you got married, was it your duty? Like, really? I mean, unless you're like Catherine the Great marrying the grandson of Peter the Great. As a Prussian princess, you know, the way monarchs and stuff like that, when Queen Victoria sent off her kids to go marry here and build the kingdom, like, that's duty. But, like, that's not really... And this is what really got me thinking about this. Why this is, I, I think the beauty of the relationship has to keep coming out in this story because I think it's very important. Because we're not robots and we're not artificial intelligence. And I do believe that they were attracted to each other. And they chose in their service to the Lord to come together in marriage. I firmly believe that. And here's what really got me thinking this on a slam dunk. For 34 years as a Calvary Chapel pastor, I heard from Pastor Chuck Smith that loving Jesus is not a legal relationship. It's a loving relationship. God loves us. Not romantically, obviously, but he loves us even greater than that. Agape, Jesus on the cross. And since we love him because he first loved us, we've emphasized, I've emphasized as a Calvary Chapel pastor for 34 years, God is not calling you into a legal relationship. That's what I had growing up Catholic. But God has called us into a loving relationship. Marriage with the Lord is not a legal relationship first. It's a loving relationship. And yes, those that are married, we understand there's love, there's phileo love, friendship love, there's eros love, sensual love, there's, but there has to be agape love. For as Christ loves the church, so a man is to love his wife. And as a wife submits, as the church submits to the Lord, a woman is to submit to her husband. We know that. I see all that in this story. But what's very interesting, so I do believe there's romantic attraction. I believe for the six, seven, eight weeks that they were working together, there are those moments where there's like a look where he's like, huh, where you catch that glimpse or whatever. I do believe that because people don't just get married out of duty and obligation like you're joining the Navy SEALs. And by the way, they get married, have a wonderful wedding, They are intimate and they have a son. You know, like. Now, you can say that Jacob and Leah was an obligation. But we don't know enough about that. And that's a whole different kind of story. That's too messy. This is a beautiful story. This is too beautiful. She came to him now. Now, he's the Goel. Now, she comes to him and lays at his feet. Now, she's a woman one generation younger. Boaz says you could have got anyone you wanted. And she comes with her A-game. As they say, she's all dolled up. 
She's, is, this is, she's made herself as beautiful as she can be. That's what Naomi told her to do. She comes into this room in the middle of the night. She comes at midnight as beautiful as she can be. Now, she's beautiful inwardly because she's a virtuous woman. Ironically, three generations, four generations later, it's attributed to Solomon, Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman, which would be one of her descendants, four generations down. She comes in, she lays at his feet, and what she says, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing or under your garment. It's symbolism of under his covering. For you are a close relative. She says, you are the kinsman redeemer. You're the Goel. I am Ruth. Now, here's what's amazing about this story. They would have both known. Obviously, she knew that he was the Goel. And he would have known he's the potential Goel. For he says, yes, I am, but there's one closer. He already knows the scouting report on what's in play here. So, she comes to him and says this, and what she's saying is, will you marry me? She is asking him to marry her. And we talked about this Tuesday night. She's a Moabitess under the curse, or just cleared from the curse. She's a widow, and she's the lowest position of employment in all of Israel. She has put forth her best appearance physically. She has her inward beauty that speaks for itself. And she comes to as probably the most powerful man in the community, lays at his feet, and says, will you take me as your wife? And in that request, it's very unique in that he's not going to take her as his wife for his inheritance and his trust in his estate. He's going to give up his trust in his estate to marry her to produce offspring for someone else's trust in estate. So she's given up all of her freedoms as a young woman to be the vessel of redemption, recipient of redemption for her mother-in-law, Naomi, but he himself is given up everything. He's a single man. Like, you know, like you kind of get settled in your ways. He has a, a life that he lives. It's all this certain way. It's maybe been a little uh, unsettled since she showed up in the field. Who knows? But he's not the kind of guy, like those movies, there's always those guys that force themselves on women, particularly younger women. He's not that guy. He's not that creepy guy. Or even that like, hey, he's not that guy. He knew that he could be her redeemer, her Goel, but he doesn't initiate it. And Sam and I were talking about this, but even if she's a type of the church, she chooses to come, and we have to choose to come to Jesus. We have to choose to come and submit to Jesus and trust in Jesus. Let him be our security. Let him be our covering. Let him be our everything in our life. We have to choose that. It's our choice. He's not going to force himself on anyone. But the one who comes to me, I will no means cast out. She comes to him and says, will you take me as your wife? Now, I don't know what this man thought before that moment concerning Ruth in the field or any of that. But in that moment, this man is going to decide 
what the rest of his life is going to look like. And this man serves the Lord. This man blesses everybody in the Lord. This man is serving Jesus before Jesus even comes. It's a shadow of things to come. And this man gives up everything he's built his life for in that moment. And he says, first of all, he commends her. He pronounces blessings. Okay, when we saw that, he, this man wants to, this guy's always about the Lord. And the first thing he says is, blessed are you of the Lord. You know, we like that in a relationship, right? Like, ladies, don't you like it when the man is courting you? And it's like, blessed are you of the Lord. Like, this guy's just speaking blessings of the Lord for this woman. What greater security is that for a woman than a man who serves God and pronounces blessings upon her and really is that person? He really is that guy. So he pronounces this blessing on her and he commends her for her kindness. He tells her, don't fear. So she's totally vulnerable. Like, what if he rejects her? Like, what if he rejects her? Like, the rest of her life in Bethlehem is like, yeah, did Boaz just like blew her off? Like, we know how human beings are. In a village, you kidding me? She totally, and he accepted her. She came in humility, and he accepted her. And he said, don't worry, don't fear, I will do it. But then he told her, I don't have, I'm not the, the go-to goel. Which brings up another thought before we wrap this up tonight. Is there is another goel, and we'll see that in the next chapter. There was another relative, another man, who was closer so we have to ask ourselves, did Naomi not know there was another man who's closer? Did Ruth not know there's another man who's closer? Like, the registry is not hard to follow. I personally believe that there, they knew there was another man that was closer. And I, I don't have to leave it, nor do you. I'm just saying, we know next chapter, there's another man. So it's like, a, it's like this is the starting quarterback, this is the backup quarterback, whatever. There's, a, there's, there's an order. And how many times do I say this to you, by the way? In the Bible, usually it's, it's the vice president in the Bible that's the hero, right? Like Daniel's number two in Babylon. He's the number two guy and gets it done. Joseph's number two in Egypt. Like God likes the two spot, just so you know that. He likes, the, he likes the two spot. Men in the two spot and women in the two spot tend to shine really well. People in the one spot, they tend to get like saw. I'll just do it my own way. I'm reading about Saul right now in Samuel. I'm just going to do my sacrifice the way I want to because I'm Saul. I'm the king. You know, like Gaston or something, you know. Boaz is in the two spot. He's in the two spot. So I just wonder if they knew that or they didn't know that. It's an interesting thought in this whole story. But he says, I'm there for you and I got your back. So this is how we, we end this chapter with a couple kind of like closing pictures. She's all in. He, he's destined. He's called to be the Goel, and he is the Goel, and he's one that's meant to be in the New Testament in the genealogies of Jesus Christ. For that purpose, he was born. And he prepared himself for that purpose, and he rose the occasion on this night between midnight and the, the dawn, the breaking dawn. What a night. She was all in. Your God's my God. Your people are my people. She was all in and never looked back. And she was going to serve her mother-in-law. And she's, she could have chosen the other younger men. She could have chosen rich men, poor men, Moabite men. But she chose to serve Jehovah, God of the burning bush. And it brought her to the feet of Boaz. And they're going to spend the rest of their lives together. And this night, this is fascinating to me because there's a scene. It's midnight to sunrise. 
It's a man and a woman, unmarried, sleeping together. Not side by side. Now, a woman's from man's side, from the rib, and they're meant to be side by side. The next time they're sleeping together is in the next chapter, and they're sleeping together as a husband and a wife. But in this visual, they're not. But I, I just had to stop and think about this scene, because here's this woman who was so vulnerable. She says, will you take me? And he says, yes, I will. They have agreed to marry one another. They have agreed to give up their lives and come together as a man and a woman for the rest of their lives. And that's something we can relate to the married couples in this room. And that was their destiny. This girl growing up in Moab with Chamosh as her parents' God, the bully God, it was her destiny to pursue the God of Israel and marry this godly man in Israel. And like the church to be grafted in, like the Gentiles, Ephesians chapter 2, be grafted in to the kingdom of God. That was her destiny. And she pursued it, went after it, and got it. Let us just pause here for a minute and say, isn't this a beautiful picture? This is not a man taking advantage of a woman or a woman seducing a man like the Proverbs women that are evil. This really is Proverbs 31. And for that night, they laid next to each other. And I wonder how much they slept. And if I'm filming this, you know, cinematography, I'm going to bring the volume down, and I'm just going to hear heartbeats. And I'm going to focus in on her face and what her eyes open. And then I'm going to swing to him. I'm going to focus in on his face, eyes open. Because they both committed their lives to each other under these circumstances that night. And it's a beautiful thing. And in the dawn, there's no awkwardness or shame like the world gets when they do something like this, right? There's no shame here when they wake up. But now they're looking at each other. You know, I, I kind of picture being like a little, hey... Picture this. These are human beings. We're not robots. We're not artificial intelligence. This is a man and a woman. And God's working through this. And he weighs out the, the, the barley and says, take it to your mother-in-law. See, everything is in the context of God's word. Everything is about others. Everything is about serving, loving. This is a pure chapter. This is pure as pure can be in the human experience. And it's so beautiful. To me, the scene of Ruth walking away with the, with the wheat, the barley, and, and Boaz going his way. And by the way, he's moving with purpose to the city gates to set this straight and make this woman his wife. And I just, I just see this. I have this scene where they're going separate directions. And, you know, like, did he look back and she's not looking? Did she look back and he's not looking? Did he look back and see each other? God's designed us to live emotion in the human experience. All the emotions. And for the husbands and wives here tonight, I just want to remind you, he's designed us to be in love. He's designed us to be in love spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. To be in love. To always be enraptured with the bride of our youth. That's the way God's designed us. And it just reminds me to just be, it it challenges me to be the most loving husband I can possibly be from here for eternity. And I hope it challenges the married people the same way. If you're not married, it is what it is. You know. But we're still designed to love and to think of others and put others first. And this story really is about that as well.
Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. And he's going to provide our security. And as we rest at his feet, as we yield our lives and our purposes to him, he will make very clear his divine purposes over our life. This chapter, this book, is about divine destiny. And it's not something we manufacture. It's something we just walk in as we seek the Lord and yield our lives to the Lord day by day. And life is filled with tragedies, and she did want to change her name to Mara. But life has joyful moments too. And as there's a season appointed to men and women under the sun, all the different seasons, we want Jesus Christ to be over all of them. Over the darkest day and over the most glorious day, he is our Goel. For he has redeemed us from the power of sin, the power of Satan, and the fear of the grave. And he will redeem this universe. He will redeem this planet. And he will redeem us into glory. For we are neither married nor given in marriage, but we're like the angels. We'll be in full glory. Hallelujah. Praise the King. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.